You are tuned into Your Voice, Your Power with Anika. Real lives, real stories, and real hope through transformational leadership. You have entered the safe zone. The safe space for creatives, executives, business owners, dreamers, and leaders of the new school. Sharing tips, tools, and resources to thrive with authenticity as authorities on a global scale. Transformation is power, and so is your truth. Stay tuned for The Real Deal with Anika and her guests. Good day, and good day, and welcome to Your Voice, Your Power. I am Anika Wilson, and we have one of our power panels today. And I'm so excited because I'm a woman of color. In case you haven't noticed, I have a little bit of melanin, and since I've moved to Hawaii, it's gotten a little bit stronger. But we're going to break all of this down because we understand the importance of celebrating every culture in a global marketplace, as entrepreneurs, as moms, as whatever we are, all the roles and responsibilities that we play, I want you to really tune in today because we have some exceptional guests that are gonna talk about dominating as a leading woman of color. First, I want to introduce the LaDondra Harvey. Hey, LaDondra. Hey, Anika. Thank you so much for having me on the show. So I'm LaDondra Hervey, and I am a faith-based business coach that helps women entrepreneurs go from a position of purpose into profit and beyond into legacy impact. I'm also an award-winning author of the book Powerful Beyond Belief and um, a certified belief therapist. And I use all of those things to really help you to triumph over your story and stand in your God-given gifts uh, to become the powerful business owner that God has created you to be. I absolutely love it. And I think I said Harvey and it's Harvey. We had this discussion, but I messed it up anyway. (laughs) All right. And also LaDondra, tell the world where you are. I am in Arlington, Texas, and um, um, also another part of me I didn't say, just so y'all know, like um, I'm a mother of two. I have a senior and a freshman as well, and um, I've been married for, I don't know how long, 17 years um, to my high school sweetheart, (laughs) and so that's a little bit about me. Well, that means that you're happily married when you're not counting the days, so congratulations on that. Well, I didn't say I don't strangle him sometime, but I appreciate that. I love it. I love it. Next, we're going to go to Kirby, who is coming to us from all the way around the world. So tell everyone who you are and what you do. Thank you very much, Nick. I mean, I don't know how I'm going to follow LaDondra. That was that was really good. So that's going to be hard for me. Uh, so I'm Purvi K. I'm based in London in the UK. Um, I am a career and business coach. And I help professionals uh, who are really ambitious, but are feeling feeling stuck in the careers to get clarity around their career paths and to change the way they think about their own potential. And I help them uh, take step by step process to catapult their career to the next level. I have done that myself um, uh, through challenges, through barriers. Um, I come from a developing country where opportunities were scarce for what I wanted to do. Uh, moving to the UK for my education was quite tough you know um, uh, it was quite expensive as well and 
just had to work really hard to get through university. Um, I qualified as an aerospace engineer and I landed a job with the UK government, uh, which is where I am. I'm still in the UK government. Um, I still have my full time job. So I've been there for 14 years. But this year, uh, you know, uh, I turned um, I done 40. Um, actually, I turned 40 last year. And and, you know, uh, you reflect back on life. You know, we all do. And I was like, right. OK, you know what? In spite of all the challenges, in spite of all the barriers, I feel so content in every part of my life, my career, my personal life, my professional life. I'm a mom to two boys as well. A loving, loving partner. I've been with him for 21 years. Um, so same, you know, uh, as you, Lodandra, um, we met in college, you know, and every part of my life is just there's abundance. So what do I do now? And what came to mind was, you know, it's time to give back. And so the coaching business started from that, where I wanted to empower others to not uh, face the challenges or, or make those challenges easier for them, the challenges that I faced, because I didn't have that help. So I wanted to put something in place for people that to make their career journeys um, easier. And I work in the, the security arena in the UK government, so I'm mostly helping uh, professionals who want to build their security career. Um, but on the side, being a mum as well, I get a lot of, uh, I have a lot of mum friends and I have a lot of other mums who approach me to, to, to understand one thing. How do I balance a full-time career with a business and two toddlers? So the whole mindset thing comes into play then. And I talk to them about that. I explain to them what I do, but I explain to them about, you know, what, how, how much they're capable of, how much what potential they have and I bring that out of them so they can achieve their goals as well as moms. I love that because when you know I just turned 40 and at 35 I had a midlife midlife crisis but at 40 it was like the midlife crisis and it was like <laughs> what did it all mean? I hid behind being a mom for so long that I had to discover who Anika is. And I'm in that, that zone, that season right now, because it is not complete. Um, right. But we all can relate to that. The difference between us and our listeners is that we talk about it. We're, we're authentic, we're wide open. And that is where the growth journey truly begins. So I can't wait to dig deep. But first, we got one more. Candice, tell the world who you are, where you are, and what you do. Absolutely. Well, I'm just honored to be holding space with each of you. Um, I feel like this is like the power panel. So I'm stoked to share conversation. I think it's one of my favorite parts about doing podcasting. I mean, it's great that we get to share it with our listeners, but I'm seeing some nods. <laughs> no, I think I usually walk away and go, well, I hope my listeners got something out of this, but I know I totally did. And I'm already like, Ooh, I got like goosebumps. So I can't wait. So I'm Candice. I live in Alberta, Canada. It's cold. We got snow already. But you know what? I love it. I live in a tiny home part of the time, like 250 square feet. I am a mom. I have a four week old and I have a six and a half year old. My six and a half year old is going to change the world. Let me tell you, ladies, she's an extrovert. I'm an introvert. I love the one on one conversation. I'm really great in the small spaces. And this girl, like her eyes aren't even open in the morning and her mouth is moving. And so she is my number one challenge. She's my number one inspiration. Mama's got to live a big life and start showing up in a big way because she just does automatically. So I have a podcast. I help other women to 
find a way to create a life. So I have a big story. I had a lot of what I would call plot twists that happened in my life. So things that were entirely not planned, unprepared for that showed up. I was a single mom. I still call myself a single mom to be completely honest, because you know what? The buck ends and stops like it starts and stops right here (laughs) at the end of the day even though I'm lovingly supported, I got one year ladies. Like, so I got some learning to do on, I didn't get it right the first time. That's okay. I've learned plot twists right there. I got a good one right now. So I'm, I'm, (laughs) and you're right. You don't count the days when it's good. Um, So, you know, I'm excited for, for what's to come. I love helping, you know, one of the reasons I was able to move and change I traveled down to California with a three month or sorry, a three-year-old And we just did our own thing. And one of the reasons I could do that is because I've learned how to like get online and maximize those. Like there's so many different ways to create income. If you know what your skill set is and you live in your strength zone and there are people that are willing to pay you for that. It's amazing. And so I'm passionate about helping other women to do that. So they're not, they're not stuck in a relationship that isn't good in a job that doesn't suit them. um, Or they're able to support their family. Like I'm doing right now. Um, And we're all home right now, hanging out. And it's absolutely amazing. So again, I'm stoked to be here, ladies. And I can't wait to connect today. So I want to open the floor because the first question I was sitting here thinking about, what do I want to break through with? Um, We understand that DEI is the current trend. You know, yes, there was affirmative action years ago, but DEI, and I believe there's a B behind it now, but I I stay out of it because we add letters often. But why is diversity necessary? You, you, a lot of people have a problem with, with calling things out and saying, well, why do disabled people get accommodations? Why do we have to have different rules? Why is it so important to talk about or separate women of color versus every woman? Why do you think that it's necessary? And why do you think we are where we are today? And I'm gonna start with, pure poor B because you talked about being from a developing country and living in Hawaii has given me a different perspective on ethnicity, culture, you know, resources, mindset, and all of that. So I want to go to you first, but I want you to just give me your perspective as to why it's necessary and why do we have to fight the good fight? So for me, um, diversity in every aspect is important, not just in, you know, not just in uh, having a diverse team in your in your organization, but it's all about diversity of thought as well. The problems that we are trying to solve are so diverse. The problems we're trying to solve are coming from all parts of the world now. The solutions need to be diverse. The people coming up with the solutions and their thinking needs to be diverse. Coming from a security background, for example, the terrorist attacks we have, okay, the UK government realized very quickly how important it was to bring in diverse employees who understood that culture, who understood the language, who understood their incentive, their motive, okay, and they could translate that for us to understand what solutions we could put in place to protect our people. And that was like a trigger point for us. But there's so many other problems out there that demand diversity of thought, that demand the, the group thinking is good, but you know, we also need that thought leadership as well around um, 
and, and, and that is happening very much in the UK as well now. We, we, we're trying to bring diversity at senior level as well because there's a very big gap. We're trying to close the gap. And it's not just diverse from a cultural point of view, from a race point of view. It's also from a gender perspective as well. And whatever you identify yourself with, that has been so important. And we found there's so much strength in having that diversity as well, rather than having that single level thinking. Um, and honestly, the work, the productivity has just been phenomenal when we come together with our backgrounds, with our cultures. I love that you said that we need diversity of thought. And that says it all to me because so many people feel like, you know, one person can make the decisions for everybody. Well, we've, the world has been run that way for a very long time and it's been proven that that does not work. You know, nobody, if you're not a mother, you don't understand what it's like to be a mother. You can play the role, but there's so many differences in how you had your children, where you had your, there's just so many complexities to every concept. And to your point, it's not just about culture, it's about language, it's about gender, it's about locale. I mean, resources are different throughout the world. So depending upon where you are, and to your, your point, you left your country to go seek education, you had to go where the resources were available. And that is the reality for so many. So I love that. Anyone else wanna chime in? I picked up on the same thing of what you said, Proofy, is the diversity of thought. Uh, it, it is so, so, so important. Me coming from a background that is was centered around a lot of drug addiction, alcoholism, um, and I'm an African-American woman, if y'all haven't picked that up in my voice, um, and the different things like that. Like I, I'm bringing that diverse perspective into different rooms like corporate or entrepreneurship and different things like that. I, I think that it that that difference of thought makes all the difference because a lot of times we are trying to solve problems based on our own the box that we live on in or the the uh, experiences that we come from. And that diversity of experience is what helps us to find the solution to the problems that we are facing today. Opening up that dialogue for different conversations, being willing to hear, receive, listen, and come up with a solution that is suitable for all we're being inclusive to to the the conversation and not what fits a certain demographic of people or that's going to serve a certain so socioeconomic status of people or whatever the case is we need those different thought perspectives and so one of the things that um i, I was thinking about when we were you know just thought about having this conversation is that you know a lot of times we uh, as women and entrepreneurs and then corporate whatever leaders we want to apologize for our story like you know our story is actually the thing that is an asset to help when we are going into those rooms or we're having those conversations with the younger generation or whatever the case is, the, the, our story is the asset that we need to help somebody else to triumph over their story or to um, open up new possibilities and ways of thinking um, and doing and realizing that more is available um, and, and, and ways to innovate and just think differently. 
differently. I think that we've gotten so caught up into a level of conformity that we don't we we are afraid to think different and have our own um, a different perspective because the what uh, what do they call it the cancel culture and all the different things like that. But you know we're all from different different places, different backgrounds, and we all have a different uh, perspective. So why when we have our perspective we get shut down or we get canceled or whatever the case is why don't we open up the dialogue to where we can really like have that discussion and like get to the heart of the matter and then figure out what the next solution is so i really appreciate that question and you know what this is a, a really interesting conversation and you know it's it's a conversation and a part that i've sort of been watching because I haven't known how to necessarily weigh in, right? Um, based on how I grew up and that sort of a thing, but fascinated um, with how far we've come and the elements of you know how far we still have to go. I think that is such an interesting conversation to be had. And I think it's so powerful when we come together to have these conversations, whether it was like you said, with the gender conversations. I mean, and you said it really well because we, we do apologize for taking up space, right? Like as women, when we sit at the table, with the old boys club, um, you know, not that we don't love our men, but we sit at the table with the old boys club and we feel grateful for our tiny little piece of that, right? Rather than being like, how come there's not more of this pie that we're sharing, right? Rather than having to share this pie, well, let's just make a bigger pie, right? And, and we were talking about this um, the other day, a couple of my girlfriends and I, and we were discussing about this whole concept that, you know, we as women, especially women, regardless of, of, of you know where we come from we are the heart right i really believe in this we're the heart of the home we're the heart of the energy we have this amazing intuition the problem is we haven't necessarily felt the voice to be able to speak up and then when we do like you say we get canceled regardless of where that space is and so i'm just you know this is powerful stuff that we're able to come together and start to talk about very cool i agree with that you know i think that truth is canceled you know, my my issue is that you have so many people who feel like what goes on in this house stays in this house. You know, the minute that you talk negatively about an experience that you encountered, all of a sudden you're negative. Well, how is that negative if it's actual fact? It happened. And every time you try to shed light on it or raise awareness to it, it's perceived as negative, you know, or drama. Have any of y'all experienced that being called a drama queen because you actually talk about your life and you talk about your, your tragedies that you're trying to process so that you can turn them into triumph. But the minute that you talk about it, especially in a setting where everything wants to be perceived as perfect, then all of a sudden you're a problem. For me, that is a problem that I have in my family. It's also a problem that I have in, in corporate. You know, I worked at certain jobs. I worked in the prisons. I worked in substance abuse. I worked in case management and long-term care. And when you identify a problem, you become the problem. What do you say about that? Well, I, I think somebody has to go first and that's challenging. Um, you know, I was thinking about this even when um, I, I used to have an online publication and we were not afraid to talk about big issues and gender was one of the ones we talked about. We talked about, um, you know, it came around when some of these movements that were happening, right? And there were some really big issues that um, one, a lot of us didn't have any idea how to talk about it. And, you know, I saw that even in some of the abuse that I've had, 
I didn't know how to talk about it in a way that was productive, right? In a way that didn't immediately get me labeled as, well, now you're walking wounded. And I was like, no, this is a problem. And I'm asking a question. And I found that when I was looking for information, whether it was on, say, um, Black Lives Matter, right? I wanted to understand more. I wanted to know more. I wanted to know more about, you know, some of the movements around gender and some of these issues. I have no idea because I only have my perspective how closed some of the doors were when I was just like, I don't, I don't need a seat at the table. I just want to listen in. I want to understand because we have a platform and we can talk about it. So can we talk about it? And that was a really interesting space, um, which I understood because it's been so long, it hasn't been safe to talk about it. And so I think it's conversations like this, where we show up and say, okay, no topic is, is taboo. Let's talk about it, which is a really interesting space to be in. And to be honest, it's more than a little intimidating to be here because I've wanted to ask some of these questions for a really long time. And now we're hanging out and I'm like, tell me what that is like, because I have no idea and I want to know more. And I'm, I'm hoping that that's an energy that maybe the rest of the world is starting to feel whether we're, no matter where we come from or what our backgrounds are, what if we just showed up and did more listening, <laughs> right? Rather than more talking. Can I? Oh, sorry, go, go Alondra. No, you can go ahead. Oh, okay. I was just going to uh, follow up on that, um, um, Candice, when you said, you know, you, you want to listen, you, you want to hear what's going on. And this is something that also what you said, Anika, about, you know, we're always told, like, suppress your drama, if you like, right? Um, don't create the drama. And I always worried about sharing my story. Uh, about <clears throat> my struggles and what's happened and 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 you know I, I've I've twisted that around to those what those challenges I didn't now sit now they're not challenges anymore they were opportunities how did I turn them into opportunities so it is it is a positive story now but I I was worried for a very long time I I hesitated to share that story for a very long time and when I was sharing snippets of it, it was with, you know, really close friends and uh, or, or work colleagues that I trusted. And what I was getting back, the feedback was, wow, that's so inspirational. You would inspire others. And that stuck to me um, in my mind. And so when I when I started my business as well, and, and, and I do a lot of podcasts and speaking and that I went on uh, one of the speaking things and, and I talked about overcoming adversity and I, I literally just opened up and talked about how my journey has been from the developing country to here and what I've done and how I've done it and I had so many friends and so many family members everybody had listened to it and oh my god I was overwhelmed with the messages I got such positive messages of wow we we never knew that that was the backstory we never knew you'd been through that and 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 others were coming up to me and said wow I'm going through something similar and you just inspired me to continue and do this and, and that is what <clears throat> I feel that my story is not unique my story was not a life or death situation my story was not as adverse as so many others are going through but it is my story that if it inspires even one person it does the deal so how do we get people to talk and share their stories so that as Candy said, there are people out there wanting to listen. And I think that two-way thing of us being role models and opening up and somebody of color. And so for those on the on the podcast, um, I'm from an Asian background. Somebody of color who comes up 
and, 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 and somebody else of color can see me, a woman of color is confident enough to speak about this, to talk about all these problems and, and see how they've turned that into opportunities. Well, if she can do it, I can do it too. That's kind of what, what drives me to talk more about it. And I think that's what should drive others as well because of the, the, the impact we're having on other people. Yeah, I think that um, those are just powerful perspectives. So I'm just gonna piggyback on both of those. Um, I'll start with um, with Candice. Like, um, you know, it you you said a lot of phenomenal things, and I think that what you know, how do we get started? You said that someone has to start first, and I think that you know, um, as Anika said, the truth is counsel, but regardless of what somebody else has to say, somebody has to stand up and be courageous to share their truth. And courage is not something that is easy, but it's necessary. We don't know what's gonna happen on the other side of that, but we have to be willing to do that. And for me, I would say for um, personally, the thing that encourages me to stand in that position of courage is remembering who I am and where I came from, because I came from a people of that of color who had to fight for things and who had to uh, share their voice and their perspective in the face of being maybe killed or hung or whatever the case is, but they showed up. And we have to be so re resilient to the point that we're not going to allow somebody's supposedly cancel culture and opinion and perspective to stop us from walking in our divine assignment, walking in the authority of who we've been created to be, walking in the authority of who, who we are, are as individuals, as women, as people of color, us, as professionals, whatever that role is, you know, and it's remembering and staying connected to that why. And so when I look back, I could say, I look and I'll say, how dare I not stand up and share my truth? How dare I not stand up and share my story? How dare I? Because, you know, my grandmother come from, you know, back in the slavery parts of things, and so how dare I not carry that, that torch on to be courageous and have the conversations that need to be had, regardless if it's accepted or not. But what I love about what Candace said is that we have to all be willing to listen. So I have my perspective and my perspective is my reality. But then you have a perspective, Purvi, you have a perspective, Candace. And sometimes I need to take a back seat and listen to what your perspective is and see where you're coming from. Because when I can understand where you're coming from, then we can come and we can meet in the middle and we can have an open discussion so that we may be able to have the, the meet, go, not just have, but we may be able to find the solutions to the problems that we are seeking or needing that assistance with. Um, and so um, I think you also brought up another wonderful point is knowing how to have those conversations. I think that, you know, we don't know how to have those conversations. And when you don't know how to have the conversations, you, you don't say anything. It's like, you know, I'm afraid to bring this up because like, what are they going to think? Or are they going to receive me or whatever the case is? And so if we can create a, a, a space to where one, it's safe to have those conversations, but then two, we can open up the dialogue in a way where 
it, it, you know, we can, we know how to have those conversations, set some parameters around that, where some boundaries, where this is, yeah, we're going to talk about this. We're going to be real. We're going to be raw. We're going to be authentic, but here are some parameters or some boundaries around this conversation to create um, a, a safe environment so we can get to solutions. Um, and so I think that, um, both of you ladies, y'all were saying the same thing and, and, and it was just, it's just powerful. So I just wanted to say that, but for me and my personal perspective, it's just about standing in courage and um, trusting that, because um, I'm a woman of faith that, you know, that whatever, when it's my time, it's my time. Like, <laughs> so just because I said something, like I'm not gonna walk in a place of fear, I'm gonna walk in faith. And that's, that's just the end of the, that's how it's gonna be at the end of the day. So I'm going to show up and share my truth regardless. There's so much to piggyback on there. One of my favorite words is assignment, authority, resilience, um, authenticity. You know, I think um, the first thing that I always say that as women we have to do is give ourselves permission to shine. You know, so much of our lives we are told to fold, to conform, to blend. You know, we're always supposed to take a back seat. And I recently gave myself permission to cut people off, to dump people, to dump my past, to dump, you know, the things that I've outgrown. Because one of the worst things that we do as women is we are almost born to be people pleasers. We're always worried about what everyone thinks, whether it's at church, at our job, in our families, you know, our husbands or whatever. And I'm like Candace, you know, I didn't get it right the first time. You know, I, I had children and everything. And then I was like, but wait a minute, I'm waiting. And then I, and then I, I wanted to fix everybody else. You know, I got into jobs where I was committed to fixing everybody else. But for me, it was servant leadership. But little did I know I was growing more than everybody else. And then I was leaving people in the dust. And I'm like, wait a minute, what's, oh, you're not doing the work. Okay, got it. And so that's where I'm at now is how do we have the conversations? To answer that question, we have to keep building the platforms. We have to keep building safe spaces. And for me, I've created a network of safe space for women to heal, deal, and grow. And I, I just, since we've been talking, I'm giving myself per permission to take back my tagline. I was so worried about, you know, well, if I say heal, people are going to think it's counseling and people are going to think that. No, we all have a responsibility to lead ourselves first. We are leaders. We have to own it. We have to stop hiding in the background. We have to stop playing games. We have to stop comparing ourselves to everybody else because our divine assignment as uh LaDondra said it's it's custom made we are custom made each and every one of us is custom made every experience that we had was preparation and and you cannot be a true leader an effective leader without going through some crap so we have to own it we have to process it and then we have to deliver because if we deliver ourselves, then we can deliver others. And Candace, I want to commend you. Because when you first came on, I was like, does she know what the topic is? And then I didn't say it because I was like, that's wrong. But to your point, there needs to be more Candaces in the room. Because when you listen and when you surround yourself around people who are different from you, you understand them. And then you realize you're more similar than you are different. But it also gives you a direct access, a direct line for you to gain knowledge so that you can then build your own perspective over what's happening. So thank you. Thank you so much for just being present 
and just being, and the whole time y'all were talking, I was trying to think of the word of the P word. She said she didn't want to seat at the table. She just wanted to be the, in the room. And I'm like, that's a, I can't think of the word. It's a, it's a something, you know, the word when people go attend things and they're just there, but thank you. Do you have the word Candace? Cause I'm, I'm a hot, audit. I'm, huh? When you audit, so you go audit the class and you hang out. Oh, yeah, that's one of them anyway. Well, and to be honest, when it, when it started, there was part of me that did want to pull back, right? I was, I was all brave and I have on my podcast, we have conversations that, that take courage. That's sort of like the whole thing, whether it's gender, we haven't shied away from anything. And to be honest, like it, it started for me in the play between men and women, mostly because that was my awareness. But then to be honest, as my circle grew, because I grew up in a very conservative, like like this was the circle, right? And then since then it's expanded. And to be honest, there are conversations I would love to just listen in on because I don't know, but I do want to understand. And I think um, as you guys were talking, I was thinking about some of the conversations I've had with my partner, who's very supportive of like the masculine and the feminine. And that's, that's a big, the big thing for me. Right. And I've been fighting to show up. And I mean, I'm an entrepreneur. So, so are the rest of us. Right. But as entrepreneurial women, you know, just finding like men that can like match and hold the space. It's like, like this, like this. Right. And so I've been having this conversation. Like I was like, when you're single and you're trying to date. And so the whole thing was I'm having these conversations with men and they're like, I had no idea. And then they were suddenly asking questions. And I was like, well, why didn't I start talking about this before? But part of the problem was, is I was showing up to these conversations mad because I didn't know how to communicate that I was feeling left out, that I was feeling frustrated. Plus I've got, you know, I know my grandmother March, so she had the vote and she constantly reminded me of that. So I've had, you know, my own sort of these stories and energies. And so I wanted to show up to be a part of the conversation just because I was like, I want to be counted in here. And I know that I was raised with, I hate to say it, but there's some privilege. And I'm like, like my whole body goes into goosebumps because I'm like, I didn't know. I didn't know. Now I know. So help me hurry up and get to the party so that more of this conversation could be had, which is really, really powerful. So, you know, as nervous as I feel, and I'm talking about it because I know that there are some, I'm going, Oh my gosh, I can't believe she's there. Trust me, totally intimidated, but so freaking grateful to just be here to have these conversations. Like this is just lighting me up. So thank you. You just dropped the word for the next question. And one of my panels is angry black women. And I don't know if anybody showed up, but um, the next question that I wanna ask is why is the world intimidated by strong women of color? And I want you guys to each answer that question. And Candace, you can answer it from your perspective. But I asked that question because I recently said the word strong. And I said to someone very close to me, why does my strength intimidate you? Why is my strength a problem? I don't think I got an answer, but what is your perspective, each of you? For me, it feels like um, I didn't know. I didn't know, but I knew I didn't know. And it was like the blinders, right? And now, now I know. And now I feel like, so I'm an, I'm an empath and I feel like I should have known. I should have been paying more attention to this. And for whatever reason, I didn't. So I feel automatically like I want to apologize. Very Canadian of me, right? Very woman. Let's not take up too much space. But I also, I also feel like, 
don't necessarily deserve a spot at the table, which is also very woman, right? Rather than showing up and saying, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm aware now. How do I come into the game in a way that shows you respect without diminishing me, which is an interesting space to be in because I know that there's, it's easier for me. I do. And I'm like, I get that. How do we close the gap? <laughs> like, tell me how I can reach across and say, like, let's close this gap, which is something I encountered when I was you know, chatting with the boys about the gender, right? Some men do want to reach over and say, how do we close the gap? How do I help you close the gap? Who do I need to talk to? What do I need to do? And I don't necessarily know how to have those conversations because I feel like there's already some angry and I know what it's like when I'm talking about my trauma, you know, until I'm ready to show up to that conversation. I don't know. Right. So again, there's sort of some fear and, you know, how do I step lightly, but step in a way that is powerful to the conversation um, in a way that really does support, support the change. So uh, for me, I've got um, two, two sort of scenarios here. Question of why is the world intimidated by strong women of color? Let me bring you back to my culture. I'm from an Indian culture. Uh, the background uh, I'm from, you know, we, we live in very strict regimes. Um, and if I, if I followed it, I should be married to, I should have been married at probably around 2021 to an Indian man. Um, <clears throat> who would be earning more than I would, who would be taller than I would, who would, uh, who would I would be subservient to, uh, and I would be expected to have children and stay at home and, and you know, look after them, et cetera, et cetera, do all the house stuff, you know, not demand or expect any, any, any house help from my husband. So that would be my, my life. Um, and I'm a black sheep of the family <laughs> because... <laughs> I went uh, <laughs> completely the opposite of all that. Um, you know, uh, luckily for my family, uh, education was quite uh, important. Um, you know, uh, the, the male and female were not uh, discriminated that much, I would say. Um, uh, I had, you know, an auntie who, who had gone for the studies. My sister had as, had as well. But I was the first female in my ex entire extended family to get a degree. So up to that point, that had not happened. Uh, that was like, oh gosh, the whole point of me even going to university, I had aunties and grandmas and all the saying, she'll get spoiled, you know, if you send her away from home, she'll get spoiled, she'll get into alcohol and this and that, right? All those that happened, all that stuff, I did it. If you want to go and study, you become what Indians become, which is doctor or pharmacist or an accountant. And I said, I want to do aerospace engineering. And they're like, what what is what is it what does you even mean by that right and I was like oh let me do it and I'll show you so I did it I just did not listen you know my mom right she's not very educated she wanted me to become a pharmacist why because a friend of hers has a daughter who's become a pharmacist and she's doing really well but do I have interest in it no 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 but do it because you know life will be good for you Oh, okay so anyway so so that I completely like like no 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 I'm gonna do what I want to do and I had supporters my brother is my my you know he's my everything he supported me through everything so I did it and and when I graduated I had my grandfather my father my brother my mother everybody there I probably had the biggest family at my graduation <laughs> graduation everyone was there in support 
because they saw that it's possible I could do it. Why they were intimidated by that is because it was not the norm. It was outside their comfort zone. They didn't know how they were going to deal with their daughter becoming an aerospace engineer. What are they going to say to people? Okay, well, that's not, that's not what we do, right? The second thing I did is not only did I not get married to an Indian from my community, I got married to an Englishman. That was like <laughs> completely opposite. So, you know, when times change, they're like, all right, okay, we, we're changing now. So, you know, we're okay. If you firstly, I was allowed to find my own partner. That was like, oh, wow, thank you so much. Because we're not allowed to, it's always arranged marriage. So that was like, oh, that's a privilege. Thank you very much. Um, and they said, but make sure he's an Indian. Doesn't matter if it's a different community, because we have different communities as well. Make sure he's an Indian. All right, we'll see about that. I got my, I just fell in love with an English man. And there you go. It was, it was, it was a struggle. You know, it wasn't like they were, when I told them about it, it wasn't like they were really happy and all that, but we worked on it. It was fine. And we're, we've been married for like, uh, what, 11, 12 years now happily and he's accepting the family and all that but again completely opposite so again I was like I am the B-A-T-C-H because you know I'm not listening to my family I'm not listening to my parents I'm doing everything wrong because they didn't know how to deal with it they didn't know how they were going to deal with an Englishman in their house right and and this is this is like my extended family and my family was very supportive. It's my extended family, you no know, aunties and uncles and that. They didn't know how to deal with it. So it was it's nothing to. They're intimidated by us because of their problem. It's nothing to do with us. And another angle I would say as well, every area of my life has been male dominated. I went into engineering, you know, the college I went to, I was the only girl in it. Uh, I did an apprenticeship, so the college was I was the only girl in in, in the class. The company I worked for while I was doing that, I was the only female in the entire department, the entire workshop. I was fixing trains with a hundred men, and I was the only female there fixing trains. Right. Luckily, when I went to university, I had a few um, uh, female uh, students there with me, and we're friends now. And all that. So luckily, that wasn't bad. But when I went into work, I went into, into working for UK government. I went into military, and it was mostly men again. So. That has helped me build my resilience. And I could see because of my ambition, because of how vocal I was about things, because how I wasn't scared of bringing up sensitive topics, I could see how they were intimidated. I know my, my manager would not want me to be promoted because that would make him look bad. You know, again, they wouldn't know how to, they didn't know how to treat me because first I was a woman of color. Secondly, I was a woman in a very male dominant environment. They were not, that was not, something they were used to so they were feeling really uncomfortable about it and even now to be in a senior position a female of color it's uncomfortable for them they just their body hasn't regulated to seeing that so you know it's nothing to do with us it's your problem you deal with it Wow, wow, and wow some more, Kurvi. That was just amazing. You dropped some incredible nuggets, and that really goes with um, one of the points that I want to make. But let me let me just, I just want to just reiterate some of those nuggets that you just dropped, and then I'll say what I have to say. Listen, 
it was it, it, you was breaking norms like it wasn't the norm and so they got uncomfortable everybody around you got uncomfortable so they were intimidated by your success like I was just like she is just like you were you oh my gosh like and I really appreciate you sharing those perspectives because those perspectives are what we need to hear that inspire us to be women of color and stand in our position, stand in our divine authority. And, you know, when I think about that question, why is the world intimidated by strong women of color? It, is, it just made me think about a woman who knows who she is. She's dangerous. You know, we have been, um, we have been called to be seed bearers. And so we carry, and as seed bearers, we, we birth greatness. And so when we can really truly understand who we are and what, what, what we have decided to do with who we are, which you did, Pudri, you, you made a decision and you were like, I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to conform to fit to make you feel comfortable. I am making a choice. And regardless if you like this choice or not, this is who I am. This is who I'm going to Mary, this is the degree I'm going after. And if you don't like it, you have to catch up. You need to catch up because see, you need it. It's something, it's your own secure insecurities that is are, are making you intimidated by my success, making you intimidated by me being who I am and me walking in my own greatness and my own authority. And it's just, it, it, you know, I, when I think about the word intimidation, it's, it's there, you're intimidated because you're in, insecure about your own self. There are some things that you need to deal with on the inside of you that's making you insecure about my success or about my being, because I'm okay with me. I'm okay with me. And um, so, I just wanted to add just that little bit there because you said it all. Like you said it all. That was wonderful. And I, I got goosebumps. I'm inspired. Thank you for your perspective. So I think you just gave me my conference title. I have been, today I was changing my conference title because I'm like, it's just not, it's not saying enough. But you just said, a woman who knows who she is, is dangerous. And I wrote down Black Sheeps Anonymous. I've been writing nuggets the whole time because I'm like Black Sheeps Anonymous. I'm gonna have to start that club. Um, you know, how do we have the conversations? Truth is canceled. We got a couple t-shirts out of this conversation today. Um, but no, I am just so like, I'm, I'm pumped now. I'm like, where are we going? What are we gonna, who are we gonna, yeah, let's go. You know, it's, I, I, I thank you because that's a question that I have been struggling with. And being on this island makes it very, you know, I'm very isolated, you know, because I don't go out. There's not a lot of people like me, you know, and with us being global leaders, most of our, our calls are virtual. And it's different when you're not in a room and you're not in an office and you can't, you know, chit chat with the next person and, and drop ideas. But this thing about this intimidation has bothered me my whole life. You know, I grew up with people thinking that, I wasn't, you know, anytime I said anything, it was disregarded. It was like, oh, it's just the baby talking. You know, it's just, you know, her talking. Like my ideas were dismissed. Then one day everybody said, oh, she's smart. And it's because it's what you put on me, not who I am. And so now at 40, I am literally like, my daughter told me the other day, she said, Ma, you need a smash room. Cause I'm just tired. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. Because I have looked around and I, I've now met some of the smartest, strongest, most resilient women. And we're the ones that are often fired, 
you know, put in a corner in a closet, told to stay in our place, stay in our lane, you know, and, and poor V for me, I went into the prison and I worked in all male prisons. I worked in death row. I worked in those areas and I didn't even consider working in a female prison. You know, it just wasn't even an option for me, but I was also, you know, I'll say bullied, you know, by the male guards and you know, the inmates loved it. They didn't care because they, they looked up to women as nurturers. So I actually didn't have a problem with them complying with things because they saw me as their mother or their grandmother or, you know, something like that. But as far as the men were concerned, it's like, who does this woman think she is coming to guard grown men, you know? I think for me, that's where my resilience really, aside from like assault and things like that prior, but career-wise, it helped me develop because you have to show up and be stronger than, you have to appear stronger than you even are before you're strong enough, you know? And I think as women, that's something that we live through on a daily basis. When we give birth, we don't know what we're doing. We got this thing we got to take care of for the rest of their lives. Like, where, what, okay, I know to feed it, to, to <laughs> wipe its butt and put it to sleep. But aside from that, what, what else am I supposed to do? So one more question, which is the last question, and then we'll do a little uh, a recap. But I wanna ask each of you, what do you feel is the responsibility of leadership? And I ask you this question because as leading women, we have a responsibility and LaDondra has already preached. I, I, I started getting the Holy Ghost when she started talking. And that's why I got pumped up because sometimes our responsibility, it could be ministry and it doesn't have to be on a pulpit to be ministry. You know, it could be servant leadership. It could be parenting. It could be your business. But what people often don't understand is that leadership comes with a price. So when I ask you this question, I want you to full circle, tell, tell the world what you feel the responsibility of leadership is as women of color or just women in general? And I'll say again, we're held to a different standard and we all just spoke about that. So when we're thinking about the responsibility of leadership and I'll go deeper because y'all know I'm IO. It also goes to the point that we are often unass unassigned leaders. We're never given the position. We're not given upper management position. We're held in middle management. We, you know, marry into these men and these, these, these women where we have roles that we didn't sign up for, that we are, we are expected to perform certain things, you know, like Purvi, she's supposed to be home taking care of the kids. She is not supposed to be an aerospace engineer. <laughs> so when we say the responsibility, it's those unspoken truths, those unspoken expectations, those unspoken things that we are supposed to be held to, that the world has contributed, not just men, but corporate churches everywhere, this, this perception of women and this perception of leading women, because oftentimes we are respected as leaders, but we are not compensated as such. So on any of those aspects, I want you to really dig deep and just, just tell me your perspective on the responsibility of leadership. I'm going to go off the cuff here and um, just speak from the heart. And um, what I would say is the responsibility of leadership is to it's it goes along with some a piece that Candace had talked about. Um, it's it first it's understanding your worth that you have you are worthy, and until you know that you are worthy and you accept and own that, it's not 
you won't be willing to take a position of leadership. You're going to always want to take that backseat role. And when we understand our worth, we understand our power, we understand our identity, and we truly step into that. Now we have a responsibility to sow that back into the people that we've been called to serve, rather that's at home, in our children, because for me, legacy is important. So the things that I know, regardless if it's small, large, whatever, I'm always sowing because I, it's my responsibility to be, build up leaders because they're going to be called to a, a greater assignment. I need them to take the torch and take it a little bit further than what mama did. Or, and, and, and so once you finish sewing, then continue to nurture. And what I was going to say about what Candace said is that, you know, be willing to take up that space. Be willing to take up that space. Part of leadership is be having the courage to take up the space and saying the things that need to be saying, said and being willing to say, hey, I don't want a, just a piece of the pie. I want the whole pie. And so I deserve that whole pie. And, and, and then I'm going to model that. I'm going to show up and be the change that I want to be. And I'm going to demonstrate that by by the way that I walk, by the way that I talk, by the way I show up and, and preference myself in rooms, that's that's you walking, that's your responsibility as a woman, a woman, a woman of color, just a woman in general, you are assigned to be a, a, a seed barrier, and as a seed bearer, we birth greatness. So continue to sow seeds of greatness, seeds of identity, seeds of authority, seeds of, of everything that matters to you the most. We were not born to, to conform. We were born to stand out. We were created and called to be a masterpiece. So show up in every area of your life as a masterpiece. That is our job and our, our role as leaders, in my opinion. That's amazing. I just want to show you something because it's literally word for word of what you just said, right? There's a postcard here I've got that somebody gave me and it says, why fit in when you were born to stand out? That's exactly what you just said as well, right? And I have this here all the time with me because a friend of mine gave it to me and said, they saw that and it reminds them of me. So I always have it there because it reminds me of what they said. And that's what you've said. And that's actually fantastic as well. I'm, I'm, Ultimately, with everything you've said, ultimately for me, the biggest responsibility for a leader is to create new and better leaders. So everything we do as a leader, the, the ultimate goal is that whoever's following us, whoever's following our footsteps is going to become even a better leader than us. I think that to me is the biggest responsibility we have. I love it. That's those amazing ladies. Um, just such an honor to hold space here. One of the things that I have written down in, in my day planner is that a, a leader's responsibility is to redefine ability. And I often think about that because, you know, a lot of times people don't know, especially as women, uh, women of color, we don't know, right? We don't know, but when it's redefined, then all of a sudden people can can believe that they can. Like you said, if you're being the example where you're going first and you're sowing the seeds and then nurturing it, you know, I think that's why we all tell our stories as powerfully and as openly without shame or any of those things that we do, why we're all comfortable being, you know, <laughs> the one that stands out in our family. However, that looks for us is because we've redefined what is potential and what is possible. 
And I think as leaders, we're willing to go first. I think about that an awful lot is that sometimes you have to go first and step into the unknown territory and say, I don't know, but I do know we need to change something. So how do we do that? And, you know, questions like how or when or what's possible, those I think are some of those powerful questions that leaders ask. They don't do the work for people like you were saying, right? Sometimes people are not moving as far as fast because they've chosen to stay where they are. But when we open ourselves up to questions, I think that's when the magic really happens because then we move from, I don't know, we move into potential and then eventually into solution. And once we move into solution, then we can get into action. And once people are in action, they can create momentum. And that's momentum that eventually does create the change. You just gave me goosebumps. I'm over here clapping like, oh my gosh, yes. All of that momentum, uh, bit my tongue, momentum, potential, possible. Most importantly, redefinability. You know, I was plagued with, chronic illness uh, 20 years ago. It started with mono, then paralysis, blood clots in my lungs, fibromyalgia, PTSD. And, you know, it's funny because I always say, own your label. And in this instance, even if it's woman of color or if it's Canadian woman or whatever it is, own your label. Don't apologize for what you don't know or what you do know or the opportunities or your privilege. If you acknowledge it, if you're aware of it, that's all that matters. But to your point, when you are self-aware, that potential is endless. Because as long as you know, and, and like LaDondra said, I just figured out my worth like last week. You know, <laughs> when I started my business, everybody's like, you know, well, what do you call yourself? And my name has changed, my logo's changed. You know, it's, a, it's an evolution as an entrepreneur. And a lot of people feel like, you know, whatever logo we put out is final, everything we do is final and everything has to be per perfect. But ultimately, you know, to, to all of your points, the responsibility of leadership is courage. LaDondra said it, we have to be courageous because we don't know it all and everything that we put out is not perfect. I, I choose not the right questions prior to the podcast because I want to feel the energy. You know, I hate scripted things because it never comes out the way the world needs it on that day, you know, and at the end of the day, the world needs courageous leaders and Growing up, we didn't see women leading. We didn't see women running for president. We didn't see women being the breadwinner. We didn't see women in corporate leadership. And unfortunately, we only have 5% of that. You know, we're still working. So I always say the glass, the glass ceiling is not shattered. It's barely cracked. But at the end of the day, everything that we said is, is that it's our responsibility to lead ourselves first. We cannot lead anyone else until we lead ourselves. And that means leading ourselves out of the darkness of all of the trauma that we experience as women. It doesn't matter if you're a woman, a woman of color, you done been through some things. And you need to heal, deal, and grow. Own it. Own it. Teach your children that it's okay, that you're not broken, that you know you've just been impacted, but you can turn it around because it's preparation for whatever it is that you need to sow into the next person, as LaDon just said. So at the end of the day, I'm going to leave the world with this last question for each of you. I want you to tell the world what legacy you want to leave as a woman or a woman of color. Jump in here. 
Um, so one of my favorite quotes is by a woman by the name of Maria Rukesher. And she says, she asked the question, what would happen if one woman told the truth about her life? The world would split open. And it's one of my favorites. Um, and I think this is the kind of conversation that, that splits worlds open, uh, creates awareness, creates change, you know, plants a seed, right? Like we've been talking about that then we will nurture. And it's an interesting how oftentimes, you know, when we start seeking those things or hearing those things, as you said, this will be the conversation that the world needs today. And how powerful is that? And I think for myself, um, the legacy is one of a catalyst. I want to have enough courage to um, go laugh in places where I once cried so I can change the narrative. I want to engage in conversations that take incredible courage to have. And I want to be able to be a part of that so that we're sharing a story so that old ways of thinking, the world as it exists now will rip open so that then we can put it back together, let it all heal, right? Heal, deal, as you said, um, and, and bring that change, right? Like, let's be the change that we're actually looking to see in the world. And it, it has to start, um, you know, small little seed. that was fire like what like I know you didn't say that for that but it, that was fire um I'm like rethinking like what's my legacy over here because that was amazing the words that you used and how you preference that like the word like if we would just share our truth the world would split open I love that quote I you'll have to put in the uh, chat who that was again because I want to look that one up but I would say coming from the background that I came from and watching and hearing the stories that my grandmother shared with me um, and in her journey of growing up and the way that she had to give up her life so that we may have a better life. My legacy would be to take that a little bit further, take the torch and run and keep running and live my life so full that when it, you've heard it before that when whenever I die I die so completely empty that they said she just lived she lived all the way out she she operated in the fullness of every gift that she had she had those conversations she had the courage to show up and and, and enter those rooms she lived her life with courage she demonstrated the things that she talked about she wasn't she walked her talk it wasn't about just saying some a thing she actually did the thing and so if I hear those words and knowing that I live my life full out I've done everything that I needed to do and I demonstrated to, that to my kids and my kids took hold of that done I'm good that's amazing okay I'm gonna add all of that one that's that's superb um this is definitely a power panel, 100%. Um, my my legacy is is quite an emotional and personal one, um, and uh, my legacy is one to, of of changing lives and creating impact in others' lives, and one of service to others. The reason for that is um, it's 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 not I would say it's not really my legacy, but it's something that my father would have wanted to 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 be known for uh, and he was to an extent my father uh, passed away about 10 years ago um, this year uh, and we felt that it wasn't really his time but you know when it's time it's time and he was a man of service you know he no matter what situation he was in 
he would help anyone that that came to him um and part of me starting this coaching business it was about that the, the whole career coaching is a stepping stone to my business what I want the vision for it is is to grow into such a big influential influential business where I can influence other people who have got the power who've got the money to help those unfortunate that don't to help those people that have the potential I mean there is enough money enough food enough resources in this world for every single individual there is no need for poverty there's no need for one to go without and the vision for this this whole for i call my business darcy because that named after my father as well is to be so influential that through that business people will come to want through my business help others who are unfortunate some of the things that I want to do once I've gone into this for a couple of years is to sponsor, sponsor sponsor children into education. And I want to create that, you know, that that tangible impact in changing just one life at a time. Because I believe in charity, but I never do, you know, donations like just online donations. I think I don't see it and I need to see it. And so I always go out and help somebody individually where I can see how what I've done has, has literally impacted them. And that's what I want my legacy to be is if I'm on my deathbed, not only do I want to say to myself that I've had a good life, but I want to say to myself that I have changed many lives. That to me will be a good life lift. I'm full because... I have been fed and I hope the world has heard each of you from around the world, different perspectives, different nationalities, different cultures, you know, this conversation has to continue. And, you know, for me, I'm African-American, but I have two different shaded children. So the, the conversation goes even deep with colorism and all of these things, but awareness is the key. You know, the only way to get rid of ignorance is education. And so it's our job to educate each other and our audiences on the power of influential women. And that doesn't matter who you are, where you are, or what your gift is. You owe it to the world to make this world a better place. I want to thank each of you for being here. I am definitely going to transcribe this into a blog because this is just exceptional and I want to keep the conversation going. And so I've got ADHD. So I was over here looking at some quotes, but I want to leave the world with a quote. And it says, hope is a woman who has lost her fear. And that is by Alice Walker. And there's a whole, whole um, slew. And I'll read one more because this one pertains to women of color. Yes, it is true. Women of color have been the targets of a setup of monumental proportions, something that amounts to nothing short of a covert, covert war against us. But it is also true that these attacks are their own proof of just how serious a threat to the status quo all women of color really are. So serious, in fact, that the very concept of the innocent white woman was constructed to keep us firmly in our place. And that is by Rumi Hamid. So I want to tell each of you to go ahead and let the world know your websites, where to find you, say your last words, and we'll close this thing out. But thank you so much for being here. It is definitely an honor to be in your company.
Okay, I couldn't get off of mute. I'm so sorry. Um, okay, Anika, thank you so much for just just putting this panel together. Like you said, I am full. Like I am full. I this was a powerful conversation, and thank you each one of you for your perspective. I am, I can't even, I, send me the blog. Can Let me know how that I can get on the blog too so I can go back and do a recap as well. But for me, if anyone wants to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram at LaDondra Hervey. Um, and then my website also is LaDondraHervey.com. And um, if, if you're a woman who are woman operating a kingdom enterprise and you're wanting to go from that position of purpose into profit and legacy impact, I'd love to walk the journey with you. Uh, likewise, Anika, thank you so much for this uh, opportunity. It's been such an honor, such a pleasure to be amongst all of you. And thank you for allowing us to share our stories. But for me, more important, I've learned so much here today. I've taken in so much. It's like, I don't think I'm going to sleep. It's bedtime now for me, but I don't know how I'm going to sleep. My, my head's just going. Uh, so I really appreciate, really, really thank you for that. Uh, and I'd love to keep in touch with all of you. You know, it's great to have, have powerful women in your life. So I'd definitely love to keep in touch. For anybody that wants to, to contact me or be in touch with me, I'm also on Facebook and on Instagram uh, under Darcy Coaching, which is D-A-A-S-I coaching and if anything i've said uh, has inspired you or you want to just just talk a little bit more about it or you need help with you know you can contact me on there and you know even just for a chat i love to talk so just stay in touch yeah absolutely this was um a game changer and uh, like you said feeling full and um inspired so um people can find me on instagram at just candace creation um, and that's C-A-N-D-I-C-E, Candice uh, Creation, or my website, which is CandiceSmiley.com, and everything else connects there. And yeah, I'd love to have a link to this blog, because this was um, an amazing conversation. And um, I know that there are some people where we've been asking some of these questions from women with leadership and from these different perspectives that um, I would love to use to continue the conversation. So thank you for creating the platform and um, bringing um, all of us together in this way. I want to thank each of you for being here. Your descriptions will be in, uh, your information will be in the descriptions on the podcast and on the YouTube channel. So uh, listeners, thank you for tuning in to another edition of Your Voice, Your Power with Anika. And this is one of our power panels. You know what I'm going to say, stay powerful.